I guess this would be the intro part. Let's get right into it. We have on very special guests, Ian Begley needs no introduction. It's a good show. Batum, Budum. Budum, yeah. But they make husbands too, if I do. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of the Per 36 Spot podcast today. And Budum. We, we say our most special episode, we always episodes, but I, I really am truly saying this is definitely our, our most special episode. It's very special. Like, and we have, we have on Chris Copeland, so that's high praise. Um, we have on uh, Daily, sorry, what am I saying? We, we have on uh, the beat writer for the New York Knicks, and some people forget, also the Nets, um, for SNY, host of The Putback, uh, Ian Begley, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Ellis, what's happening? It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so this is funny, to me at least. So I always see Budum's tweets, and I like them because he, he likes to uh, share his thoughts unfiltered. But I never, like, clicked on your uh, profile pic before, and so now I see what you look like, and I clicked on the profile pic, and I see it's you. I always just assume, like, when you're scrolling, you see a small version of the picture. I was assumed your picture was Kuzminskis. I was just about to say, did you think it was Mindaugas? Yeah, always. I was like, oh, that's funny. He's got a Kuzminskis picture from his profile. But there you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's something I have gotten. Like, that's not even a Knicks, uh, like, slant. Because I get people who, like, don't follow the NBA at all. They, they'll, like, happen to see a picture of Kuzminskis and then send it to me and think it looks like me. Like, I don't know. Kuzmin <laughs> Kuzminskis is one of my favorite players. So, like, Oof. I take it. Take it as an honor to, to be compared yeah, to a good guy. That's funny. Um, now playing yeah. for Locomotive Kuban. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, wait. So just in terms of, like, how crazy your past few weeks have been, is yeah. it weird, like, getting right back into, like, me and Budum were just talking about this. Like, the fact that there's a, a basketball game on Friday seems like the craziest thing ever. Like, does it does it feel like we're at this point of the year at all? or? Yeah, because usually, like, you get through free agency, it's mid-July, late July, and then it's kind of quiet. You can count on it being kind of quiet for at least a month. And then you get into, like, you know, pre-training camp and then training camp, and you get going again. There's been no break this year because of how everything has stretched with the uh, with COVID and everything else. So, yeah, it's been weird. It's been – this was a truncated period with the draft and free agency, so that was, that was nuts, and now – here we are, ready to roll the balls out again. So it's been uh, it's been interesting, just as it has been for everybody else who's lived through this pandemic. And you guys, right now, you're zooming into like training camp, but you're not there in person, right? Yeah, it's all so over Zoom calls. So it's like a different type of perspective, too. Yeah, it's different because you know I like being there, and you know you can crack a joke in a scrum with the player, a coach. You can you know just. Shoot, shoot the breeze with him afterward a little bit so you don't have that now and so you don't have that kind of uh opportunity to build rapport and relationship so uh, it's different um but listen i'm very fortunate to have my health my family's healthy thank yeah. goodness and uh and we're, we feel very fortunate regardless of whether we have to do zoom calls or we're in person very fortunate to be doing this job and to have the health of everybody, my loved ones and my friends. Yeah. Um, so to talk about, um, you talked about my my infamous Twitter account. You <laughs> <talked> about, <laughs> yes. 
You got me, man. Oh my Just about to say, we have to. I mean, this I. So I'm way more uh, of a recluse on Twitter, but I see everything, and that we'll we'll get into right now. Uh, that that was great. That, that was, was tremendous. <laughs> yeah, didn't so, that make like real GM and like it got picked up on some <laughs> sites? Right? I mean, it, it got. I'll, I'll kind of just lay out what happened. So before before Ian Begley broke the famous Jacob Evans news, right? That's who it was. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. broke. Well, it actually, wasn't me. It was it was a two prong thing. Hubert made a tweet from like a soccer beat reporter parody, like Fabrizio Romano saying Trier got <laughs> Trier got signed wow. to a Fenerbahce, I think, or just yeah, Fenerbahce. And yeah, then Fenerbahce. I made I took the liberty of during my uh, editing class instead of paying attention, I put together a fake Fenerbahce account, retweeted it with like a Photoshop, like. Welcome to, uh, <laughs> welcome to the team in their native language, and I I was I wasn't doing it to like like I was just trying to like trick everyone. Honestly, I was just trying to like be annoying to Alonzo Trier. I was hoping I was hoping for like a, an Alonzo Trier like quote tweet, and instead I I got yeah, well, I got like well, I got like the entire Knicks beat. Well, and I so just say Ian, wasn't it wasn't to, like it wasn't get just you. you. I think didn't you get Bondi too? Boo? It was Bondi. Yeah, a it bunch was of Popper. people retweeted it. There might have been, I think, a little Berman action. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got, you got all of us. You got all yeah, of us. And like, I'm sorry, like I was, I wasn't, I wasn't like Dude, trying to, ex- to do an expose on like uh, anyone or, or anything. I just it it happened. <laughs> I felt so bad that uh, <laughs> you like had to apologize to Fenerbahce and Alonzo too. <laughs> But, Listen, uh, you got us. Was, congrats to you. Hat, <laughs> hat tip to you. The thing that was great though was, so like, sure, like, uh, like Steve Popper and Bondi and whoever else. I just clicked on the team page that you created, and you know, I didn't look at the details and it looked legit. And then after you know, I realized it was fake. I went back to the team page, and you had some like goofy quotes, like. <laughs> I who is the that, team captain that you quoted? And it was so yeah. Like, so <laughs> I thought because like I actually like I I like kind of it was Jan Vesely, anyway. right? It, it was Jan <laughs> I thought that quote was gonna give it away. The quote was like Jan yeah, Vesely being have. reported. It was him being interviewed in a wizard shirt. So like, <laughs> like it was that it was you know it wasn't that foolproof. And Ooh, it was the, him saying like I was bust too, like Alonzo. I was also bust, so I think it'd be great for him. <laughs> And like, I, you know, I don't think he would call him or Alonzo a bust. No, well, so. I'm, not a, imagine, no imagine how crazy this this could be. And I mean, with with this year, way crazier things have happened. And we just saw Lamar Peters go to Turkey. Imagine if in like two months we see a notification that Alonzo Cheers actually signed um, in the Turkish Super League. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, well, he, the, the other thing that was good was like you said or whoever the reporter, fake reporter said, uh, you know, the Nets and the Lakers said given consideration. And that obviously because of his agent, Rich Paul, and then Kevin Durant, you know, everybody kind of speculated those two teams were going to be interested. (laughs) Well done. Very well done. That was on Hubert's end. No. um, so Hubert so is a different... Hubert uh, did the Fabrizio Romano. I was was the team account. I would say... You did the team account. 
Hubert is a is like a real Twitter Hubert, troll. Budum right. kind of lies on the on the plane of, of a foot in both. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. but didn't now, Hubert also say like there was something before the draft where he got a bunch of people because he said like yes. Knicks and the Warriors are talking. Yes. So no, there yeah. was there was he, he did the fake like tweet. That. It was like the Knicks are gonna give up like the eighth pick in Mitchell Robinson to yeah. move up to two and people freaked out. Well yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of people had been speculating that already. Right, um, right, right, right. But but yeah, after all that, Trier could end up overseas like it's training camp, he's still unsigned. Like <laughs> it's kinda crazy. Yeah. I th- you know what? I don't know where he ends up, but he's probably just waiting it out to see if, you know, injury opens up a spot or see if you know people make cuts and because you know, he's talented. He's a talented scorer. Um, and if I'm a team and I have a chance to take a look at him, get him in my program for a few months, I would do it. Uh, that's just me. I think you know, he's confident, talented, obviously has his flaws, needs work. But if I could take a flyer on him, I would. Yeah, I mean, well, do you think it's like a little overstated, the uh, kind of the knock on him that he's like not a great, you know, teammate or whatever? I I do. I do because, uh, I mean, listen, everyone at this level, at that level, you have a confidence about yourself. Some For some people, it borders on arrogance. And, you know, you, you carry yourself that way. You don't make it to that level without that, uh, that confidence in yourself. So, I, you know, listen, the, the stuff that I heard, I didn't think it was, it was that bad. I, I probably hear like 15% of what actually happened. So I can only... Uh, base my judgments on that, but I do think it was a little bit overblown. Um, yeah, and I think in the right situation, you know, he could be a valuable piece to it. Well, to he's get still into twenty-four, you know, he's a very efficient well, scorer. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm surprised kinda, he's not signed. Honestly, I I kind of want to take this where some reports have been coming out lately, um, especially with the season coming up. Um, a guy like Mitchell Robinson, who me and Budum yeah. are the biggest Mitchell, Robin fan, Mitchell Robinson fans that there are. And we are huge proponents of him being a long-term Nick. Um, but over kind of the past month or so, you started to see some rumblings. Like, obviously, there's people reading into, okay, he's gone through six agents. There's people reading into that Team USA report where it was like, maybe because Van Gundy and Tibbs are close, um, saying that, oh, he, uh, he left with the knee soreness and people were upset that he got there late. And then there was even the kind of more nuanced thing where um, I think uh, Tibbs was asked a question about Mitchell and he answered it, but he kind of leeway it into um, talking about Nerland's Noel. And now I kind of, you can speak more to this, but we're kind of seeing it shake out and we can kind of assume that Nerland's is going to be starting at the start of the season. Um, do you think that there's some credence to that, the hesitance coming around Mitch, or do you think that, we can still believe that he's he's a he's a real long-term piece of this team. I mean, I think I don't think that the Knicks are necessarily hiding anything or Thibodeau's hiding anything here. I think if you just listen to his answers every time he's asked about Mitch, you know, he's talked about the upside and what he's shown already on defense could be an elite rim protector, but he's also said that he's got work to do and room to grow and and he mentioned, you know, daily approach to practice and and the idea that uh, you need to bring it every day. And so, you know, Mitch is, is young still. So yeah. I don't think that Thibodeau was saying anything controversial. He was just kind of laying out, stating how 
you know, the organization, any organization would feel about a young player who maybe hadn't matured to the point where he was consistent every day, giving the same effort every day. Um, And that's what they want for Mitchell. And I think, you know, like all of the young players who are coming back with this team who weren't drafted or acquired by Leon Rose, William Wesley, Brock Aller, and that group, this, this is kind of a show me year. It's a show me year for Mitchell. It's a show me year for Kevin Knox. It's a show me year for Frank Nilakina, RJ Barrett, everybody. And I, I'm not suggesting that, you know, if it doesn't go perfectly for Mitchell or RJ, that their futures are in jeopardy. I don't think that's the case, but whenever a regime changes, you know, Leon Rose isn't wedded to any of these young guys. He's not invested in their success because his group didn't draft them. So you are, you know, your performance is going to speak for itself, for Mitchell and for everybody else who's coming back. Well, speaking this, oh sorry. Oh, yeah. No, oh, no, no speak, I was just kinda you go, you go. All right, sorry. No, speaking speaking of that, um, as you go through those guys, you didn't mention uh, a fan favorite who hasn't even played yet to be like a fan oh, favorite. Ignis? Actually, Are you gonna go to Ignis? Yeah, I- Ignas Brasdikis. Brasdikis? Yeah. Um, like a lot of people, we're all getting nervous about our second rounder who's never like played a, like more than like 10 NBA minutes at a time. We're and, all, we're all and, freaking our boots. And he averaged over 20 uh, in Westchester last year. In, in Westchester. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think he could be the odd man out for Michael K. Chris? What do you think the future of Ignas holds in this? If I was a betting man, you know, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is going to end up on the roster from betting money today. So William Wesley is nephew, right? That's like, yeah, he's a strong connection to William Wesley. Uh, But let's not, let's not, um, no, I mean, German that way because he's also a defender and this is such a young team and it's crazy to think of him as a veteran presence, but you know, he would be if he made the team. But, yeah, certainly the William Wesley connection, Kentucky, all of that. Um, so if I'm betting, I'm, I'm betting on him taking one of these 15 spots. And then, you know, how do you open up that roster spot? Iggy is an obvious candidate. And he falls under that category of not being drafted by Leon Rose and his group. And, you know, you, you wait to see what happens with Amari Spellman because, you know, the Knicks, I think, when they made that trade, they saw him as a player who maybe with the coaching staff that they have, they could get a little bit more out of him. They could help him get into better condition. So I think they're taking a bit of a flyer on Spellman. And I think if Spellman, you know, shows some flashes, plays well in the preseason, my guess is that he has a shot at making the final roster. Obviously, if Brisdakis gets minutes, plays well, you know, he'll, he'll make the final roster. But I think that I don't think any decision has been made definitively yet. Um, that's just my read on it. I could be wrong. Maybe we'll get a, a decision 20 minutes from now. But I, I think that, you know, Spellman will get a chance to show what he can do during training camp in the preseason, even if it's not in games, if it's in practices where the coaches are watching scrimmages, I think they're going to take a look at it. Maybe now, it's happening with, now and we're holding you up. <laughs> true. I mean, you have such a unique perspective, specifically on this kind of regime you having kind of been here to see so much change within the organization. Um, while you're obviously it's, it's, this is a different off season because you're not physically there um, the same way. Can you already see kind of differences in the, in just the um, organizational wide um, kind of maneuverings? One thing you saw this off season was restraint. You know, the, this group showed restraint. They could have 
you know, spent a ton of money on Gordon Hayward, or they could have uh, given up with assets, significant assets, for Chris Paul, especially if you look at what Phoenix ended up giving up for him. And, you know, they could have made a deal for Russell Westbrook, but they decided to hold on to their cap space. Now, they had interest in Malik Beasley. Um, I think, I don't know exactly what the breakdown was with, between the Knicks and Beasley, but there was strong interest there. So maybe, you know, if, if things went differently, he'd be on the books for, you know, four years, whatever it would be. And we're having a different conversation. But the way it all happened, um, you know, they have their cap space moving forward. They have these picks going forward. They don't have any long-term commitments yet. Um, so in, in that one respect, they've kind of kept their word. But also, you know, if you look at the last couple of years under Steve Mills and Scott Perry, they essentially did the same thing. I mean, well, obviously. So I was, we were just about to say, like, that's kind of the thing. It's like, okay, we can laud them for the restraint. But, like, right. even if you look the year before, it's like we were all saying, oh, like, the Portis Alfred deals like, okay, they're only one year. Like it's kind of the, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, obviously a good standard, but it's a low bar. And that's very low bar. Exactly. And well, the problem with Mills and Perry obviously is they took a big swing when they traded Porzingis to open up that cap space because they were thought they were going to get two stars. That didn't happen. That was their big move and it didn't work out. So you really judge them on that. So I say that to say with Leon Rose and his group, we don't. We haven't seen their big move yet. We haven't seen their big commitment salary-wise. We haven't seen them turn the cap space and the draft picks into uh, what they hope is their their centerpiece or uh, a strong complementary player. So until that move happens, it's hard to catch. I think though that you know uh, it kind of seems this way always early on in Nick regimes that you know people are kind of rowing in the same direction. Um, and I think there was a. a a little bit of a disagreement on on some moves in this offseason. I don't maybe disagreement is too strong. Some people wanted to go different ways than it actually ended up going in the offseason. I think that happens in any organization. The important thing though is that everybody kind of remains on the same page throughout, you know, what's going to be a tough year this year. And so we have to wait and see on that. But at least now it seems like there's a, a decent amount of alignment uh, among the organization going into the season. Now, do you yeah. get the sense? Do you get the sense that um, Ob was kind of unanimously loved throughout both the scouting department, uh, Perrin, Perry, and obviously we know how much Leon Rose is a Ob guy with his son being uh, Ob's one of his main agents. Um, do you get the sense that that was that was definitely a, a more collective than Leon just saying we're taking Ob? Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I can't speak to specifics like who Scott Perry wanted, who yeah. Thibodeau wanted, who William Wesley wanted. Um, but I think people at the top wanted Obi Toppin. They thought that they'd be fortunate if they fell to him. He did. I would be surprised if every scout and front office person and coach felt the exact same way. I mean, it's only yeah. natural for there to be disagreements when you have so many uh, different people kind of analyzing the situation. Um, that being said, I mean, you look at that, you look at the top and pick, you look at the quickly pick, those are two moves that we're going to be able to kind of pass judgment on maybe not year one, but cause they're both rookies, but you know, over time, those are, those are big bets that Leon Rose and his group made. And if they work out, you know, they're going to look smart, but you know, forget about them making a, a big splash or bringing the star. The top and pick and the quickly pick is something that we're going to be able to analyze because, you know, top in, yes, you know, he fell to them. 
that was a, a fortuitous thing, especially if you look at the mock drafts. Um, but, you know, CAA, he's a CAA player. So that automatically opens them up to second guessing quickly. Kentucky guy, he wasn't projected at that, you know, late first yeah. round real estate. So that opens them up, them up to second guessing too. If it doesn't work out, if it works out, they look really smart and nobody cares about, you know, their agency or where they that's, I mean, so I, I have to admit I'm a little biased with this because I'm a, I'm a huge Kentucky fan. Um, and so I've, I've been a proponent. Well, so I got super lucky. Now I'm just yeah. my, they're combined. The same team. Um, yeah, but it's also an issue because now it's like, okay, like I don't want to start to not like some of my favorite Kentucky players of all time. Um, but I'm, I've been a huge proponent of Emmanuel quickly with that late first round pick. Um, for, for months. And so the fact that that actually happened, um, especially when you looked at mock drafts and like Kevin O'Connor, for example, had a mid forties and people had him um, a mid to late second rounder. I'm a huge Emmanuel quickly believer in, and besides the player, I'm a huge believer in the person. Um, I kind of want to get your sense of, because he's not a pure point guard and he, that's probably his biggest weakness is his playmaking in that sense. And especially with Tibbs is kind of known for uh, not giving rookies kind of that, that leeway. Do you see him playing a real role in the season or do you think it's kind of, um, he's, he's going to be in the background just waiting his turn. The thing with Thibodeau and like his history of not playing rookies, he's going to have to play rookies this year, I think, because you know, the, the way the rotation could break down, maybe not have to play rookies, but he's going to have to play young players and he's not going to be able to trust the young players because he doesn't know them that well. So I have to think because of that, I think he'll give the nod to Toppin or quickly because those are the, the players that the regime has drafted and they're invested in them in different in a different way than they are the young guys coming back. So I say that to say, I think quickly uh, there's a chance that he will get minutes. I don't think he'll be buried. Um, you know, obviously it depends on what happens in training camp. Thibodeau has said again and again that uh, I'm going to play the guys that give me the best chance to win and give us the best chance to compete every night. Um, if, you know, quickly, I, I think what he does, what he does bring is a lot of things that the Knicks have lacked for so long. So I think that that's certainly a positive, but it's hard for me to project, you know, yeah. where he's going to end up in the rotation. A lot of it depends on what's happening in these practices now and what's going to happen in the preseason. Yeah, with kind of that type of stuff with the picks being a little um, projected higher than – happening higher than they're projected to, um, you know, like like you say, if it works out, no one's going to care. But yeah. I was thinking the other day, well, really yesterday, how back to uh, when Leon Rose was still an agent, uh, screwing over the Knicks by making, like, us pick Marty Collins and Renato Bachman in, like, the first round when no one expected it. So like that, that's kind of the vibes it brings up a little bit. So it's a little bit scary, but again, if it works out, no one's going to care. Not but, only, um, not, not only is no one going to care if it works out, they look like geniuses. Right. And then yeah. Um, but thinking back to uh, previous regimes that looked nice, people kind of forget that like every single regime, people are like, things are different now. Since Phil yeah. Jackson, things have been different. Cause since then we have still not traded away a first round pick. Like everything is still good. Right. Um, but that obviously ended disastrously. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that um, because, you know, you talk about how I'm not afraid to speak my mind. I really respected after the whole Porzingis 
um, you know, exit interview debacle, you kind of made a statement being like, it's ridiculous. The Knicks think like this and the mellow stuff is going to like hurt the rep when, you know, they're responsible for, you know, a lot of the dysfunction, like they're the yeah. ones that cause it. I just, so, they, they try to spin stuff sometimes. And in that instance, they're desperate to spin it in their favor. And it was absurd. Uh, so anyway, um, the, the, the I, you go, you can go ahead and ask a question, but sometimes they, I think they have a history of kind of getting themselves in trouble by trying to shape a message after the fact. And then the, the message shaping doesn't go well. Like when they said, uh, the Knicks decided to cancel their meeting with Kawhi Leonard in free agency. And, you know, it made sense because they shouldn't waste their time, but like, you know, worded a different way or, or, you know, kind of say that we, the Knicks knew it was unrealistic. So they decided to, uh, they appreciated Kawhi being willing to meet with them. When you say the Knicks are canceling a meeting with Kawhi, it just makes it kind of sound silly. Anyway, I digress. You go ahead and ask your question. No, I mean, I guess, I guess that's that's really. I, it's kind of I don't know. I didn't. I don't have like a specific question it's, in mind. Just it's like, also. I mean, also like we we more just saying like, you managed to really walk the line beautifully of being able to be optimistic about the future of the team, but also honest about when um, they're being disingenuous or when they're trying to spin something, and especially with um, the wide range of New York media. Um, how are you kind of able to to walk that line so perfectly? I really appreciate you saying that. First of all, thank you. Um, I don't yeah, of know. course. My kind of uh, guiding principle is just kind of write what I see and you know write what I hear that I think is legitimate. And um, I don't. I try not to kind of you know sometimes it's hard to avoid in our business, but I try to remain objective on all sides, players, teams, um, you know, everybody, league, players association. It, it's hard though, because, you know, relationships are, are everything. That, that's what I mean. It's like, it's, so, you know, that like with, with either side, I mean, you can be upsetting someone on the team side, you can be upsetting fans, you can be upsetting players for the report, but you, I mean, you've done such a good job of, um, I like being so genuine that I, I don't think that people ever take um, things you say as personally in that sense as maybe um, other uh, when uh, other beat reporters kind of inflame certain situations. Well, again, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. It means a lot. Um, I think just uh, if you if you all I do is try to present the information as accurately as I can based on what I know. And I think um, if you do that, even if it makes person X, team X, uh, it paints them not in the greatest light, how mad can they really be if it's accurate? Because you know, I'm not like um, making a huge leap based on circumstance. I'm just kind of trying to kind of state things as they are. And I think that's all it is. And so if somebody's going to be like it, it's happened before somebody's been angry and has stopped, you know, dealing with me and that's fine. That's just a part of part of the deal. Um, but I, I think my guiding kind of principle is just to be straightforward and, and kind of call it like I see it. And, and um, you know, if people get upset and they don't want to deal with me anymore, that's just kind of the, the byproduct of it. And I would live with it.
Um, all right, so I don't I don't want to keep you too much longer because we're yeah, we, a little bit over. We know, yeah, we know you. Uh, this is um, your relaxed day. Thank you, fellas. Yeah, I got my son is upstairs uh, yelling. So, uh-huh. couple, but I could I could uh, chat for a couple more minutes for sure. Um, one final quick question, type thing. We we we're the Per Thirty Six podcast, so we wrap up with um a per 36 don't say 36 All-Star. questions but i don't know i can't yeah yeah it. we're gonna go 36 <laughs> rapid fire questions five minutes yeah each. 36 um, minutes each yeah <laughs> um no we do a per 36 all-star i'll uh myself kuzminskis you know my you know Oof. like a I'll, yeah so like a bench a bench player i mean it doesn't have to be one you covered that would maybe fit the theme a little better but any really any bench player you've had like any kuz copeland type guy that that uh, just you've been a someone fan of that years yeah someone that you remember through through all your years in nick's beat that just stuck with you as a as a guy that you will always kind of root for throughout his career yeah i mean i could go just for this year this offseason i mean damian dotson i always he was such a nice guy and i really enjoyed talking to him dealing with him and i also felt that you know his performance on the court I thought that he showed that, you know, he can do things on both ends of the floor and, you know, with the right, in the right situation, right coaching staff, whatever it is, he can turn into a uh, rotation player. So um, that's one player that comes to mind, you know, per 36, maybe his numbers weren't always phenomenal, but I always felt that, you know, there was something more there than, than what we were seeing when he was out there and his, his role fluctuated, his minutes fluctuated. He always struck me as a player who, if, if given, consistent minutes in the right situation could flourish. So let's see what he does in Cleveland. He averaged about 14-5 for well, 36. Pretty pretty solid for like a defensive guard who could shoot. Would, would you say that if there's someone that really got hurt by just changing the regi- regimes and um, uh, management having no connection to a player, it's kind of him because he was such a Phil Jackson guy? Well, certainly the regime's changing really hurt the, the players who were drafted previously. I mean, unless you are, you know, it's clear that you are an NBA player and you're going to thrive and, and you need to be uh, on that roster for that next regime. If you're stuck in that gray area, it's not a good place to be in. And I think Damian was, you know, he survived a few regimes, but um, because Phil Jackson wasn't the guy, moving forward, that certainly hurt him. And Frank Nilakina too. I mean, you say what you want about Frank and what he's shown and hasn't shown. I think that if he can become a consistent uh, shooter from the perimeter, if he could knock down a perimeter shot, he could make a lot of money in this league. But I think also, you know, the, the fluctuation with his minutes and his role and, you know, the coaches having allegiance to him, not having allegiance to him, I think that has impacted the way his career is going. But, again, like the rest of the young guys, make or break year for Frank uh, under Tom Thibodeau, and we'll see how it happens. Before yeah, you go, I mean, did you see Frank. did you see the Knicks fans panic attacks on Twitter that happened um, for like the one night in which they thought that Frank was being traded for Buddy Heald? I did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of angst on Nick's social media. And then he, I guess he changed his bio. He changed his bio. and I don't, think, I don't even think he actually did change his bio. Well, I think that was just like didn't, seeing his bio. Being the changed. Knicks had posted a video of him shooting, and then they deleted it, and everyone was like, oh, my God, he's traded. Yeah. He's traded. But then yeah. they posted a picture the next morning. 
Um, was there, you guys probably don't know, but was there like music in that first video? Or is that why they had to delete it? Because sometimes there's music. In the that's a good question. Um, I, I can't imagine there was, but that's, that's didn't, not. The Knicks addressed it though. Like the Knicks social media addressed it like the next day when they posted Well, they just posted a picture of him shooting to be like, don't worry, it's on the team for now. But also like, to be real, it is year four of Frank. So like, you know, at a certain, at a certain point, like, well, at a certain point, we're going to have to just – and we're going to – one day we'll just have to accept it when he's thriving in San Antonio. and <laughs> We'll watch from afar. All right. Well, so, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us and taking this time. Um, this was amazing. Yeah. Time, uh, fellas. Thank you for having me. Um, next time you put together that fake team account, just shoot me a DM first. <laughs> I know. I really appreciate well, that. But, uh, I'll, let, I'll let you in on it. I'll make, like, a fake – Ian Begley account and you can retweet it and you'll be like part of <laughs> part of the joke. All right. Thank and you. Good thank luck you so much. Good luck Ian. with the start of the season too. With it being Appreciate that guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Let's do it again soon. Um, yeah. Would love to. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Now we can cut to uh we can do we can do <laughs> Wow. Wow. Wasn't that a great wasn't that a great uh, wow, interview? Dude. That was good. I like that. Wow. That was a crisp amount of time. That was like no more, no less. Kind of the perfect, the perfect interview. Perfect amount. Of, I mean, Budum, honestly, Budum it was get, like a near thirty-six wait, minutes. It's not like yeah, Budum didn't get mad at me at all. That didn't happen for going no. be a lot of time. That didn't happen. Dude, and I didn't like completely think that Ian Begley hated me forever. Yeah, bro, for only for him to like. I'm saying, all right, yeah, all right. whatever. Mr. Pan panic at the disco. Panic. All right. The moral of the story is Ian Begley is a mensch. Ian Begley might be the nicest person we've ever met in life, not let alone like sports media. True, true. All right. Next off season. What are we going to talk about anymore? I don't know. I guess, okay, I guess so first, I guess we talk first, about the biggest news of the next off season, which uh, is we talked yeah, we we talked yeah, one we talked a single move in existence. We don't understand. Wasn't Fred Van Vliet? Wasn't a. We've been we've been hyping up Scalabissier to the Knicks since like May, okay? Literally since no, like dude, I've been hyping up. I looked through my tweets. I've been hyping up Scalabissier to come to the Knicks since like twenty eighteen. You don't understand. So you you obviously know how much of a Kentucky freak I am. But Scalabissier going into Kentucky was the number one prospect in the country. Like this man was the like literally. Like it, I could be wrong, and maybe he was the two, but he was like a top one or two guy from from high school, and it was the sort of thing where he got to Kentucky, and it just didn't click. Like he 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 just wasn't ready to like for those expectations, um, but like he was. I always like loved him, and then I just like I never thought he could like be a Nick. I didn't like. I mean, well, the fact that Sacramento can't take a flyer. On either Scalabissier or Harry, or Harry Giles, Harry Giles is, is the wildest, the wildest ineptitude. It, it's it's seriously. I mean, they're well. Yeah, I don't know. They let Giles, Giles that, go to for no reason. That roster. Um, I loved how I love Scal since Kentucky too. Not because he was good, but because like I just found it funny how bad he was at times. Because like my favorite thing was there was like a story. It was, like, made out to be a feel-good story. It was, like, scientifically engineered to be, like, the ESPN moment they talk about on replay and, like, the, you know, the little moment where, like, John Calipari has Scal, has a struggling Scalabissier stay over at his house. His, like, wife makes him a home-cooked meal. They get him comfy. They get him cozy. And then Scal sucks anyway. Like, 
I love that. It's like, did you? Like, Dude, didn't all it, we talked about this? Just this it, it, it was kind of shameless that they threw the James Young add-on in there. Yeah, so that's that's a thing. Like we we were all on board like the crony the crony signing of Scout to be in the G League, but like it gets a little shameless with signing James Young, who just like has never been a little bit like he's always been so bad. Like that's 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 not like taking that's not using the Kentucky connection at that point. That's just well, like so we were thing, a retirement home for Kentucky. I mean, when, he is only twenty five, but during the pod, it's a little shameless. During the pod today, um, when we were talking about Isozo in the beginning, one thing that I really wanted to ask Begley about but didn't because of uh, our crunch for time was I want I I really I know you're not on this train with me, but I'm a, such a strong believer in Miles Powell being able to fill that Alonzo Trier role without the uh, like team issues in a sense. Like I'm so I'm such a I'm I'm on the Miles Powell train. I mean, I mean, it's not it's not so far fetched. I think you could get some form of a chance, especially like if it's a like. I mean, honestly, this this team is like. Prob- I mean, who's the best scorer on this team right now? It's Randall, then Obi, and then who's next? Oh, Alec Burks. Alec Burks maybe above one of them at this point. But then that's it. And Alec Burks should not be like your most valuable well, scorer. Hot option. take. Hot take. Um... I mean, this is. I was. I've been. I. I've been kind of leading up to this take with you for the past couple of days. I think Kevin Knox could be like our third leading scorer. I mean, like. Well, maybe like. But you have to remember, the, dude. Like the, the the reason it's such a weird thing with him is, the leash was so long his rookie year with yeah. Fizdale, where and then but then like so it's like on one end of the spectrum the leash was crazy long his rookie year and then last year his leash was way too short. In the sense of yeah. on on both ends of kind of the pendulum, like we don't know what his actual like base is, and like we both agree, like if they're like first of all, the Calipari has been saying since the beginning, like this kid, you need to give him a couple years, and yeah, yeah. if the, I'm just saying, if if there's no, 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 no. if there's anyone that's going to get something out of Kevin Knox, it's Kenny Payne. Um, well, well, yeah, that and, that's kind of the thing. But like he was, I mean, he was our leading scorer his rookie year. Like that's that's yeah. kind of what I'm saying. Like it, he, it, it, it's super, it's super realistic to think that he's going to put up 15 points a game this year. I mean, I mean maybe maybe. I mean I don't know super. I mean it's 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 in the terms of possibility because large like because like to because of like the Kentucky connection. Like it's not bad, but it's like to a point where it's like it almost feels dirty because, like, they're pushing they're pushing the Knox agenda, which, like, isn't bad. Yeah. They're doing the same with Dennis Smith, too, which isn't bad. Like, they're doing what we want. There's something Bro, about we, it that feels, like, I, wrong. All, all I'm saying you is know? we, have, we have, like, what, two more full nights of, like, where we can, like, really drink this Kool-Aid that, like, like the Dennis – I I mean, I, I'm on the Dennis Smith is, like, a good Dude, player. I'm, I'm kind of drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. Well, I mean, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing with Dennis Smith and Kevin Knox because, like, I am drinking the Kool-Aid on both. Like you watch the Dennis Smith rookie highlights, you watch the highlights of his new shot, and also I was watching highlights of Kevin Knox's rookie year, and it's like the shots he was even like dreaming of taking and making, even though he wasn't that efficient. Like it's wild, it's wild that that Kevin Knox was even taking those shots because like last I mean, this year also, Kevin Knox wouldn't. Attend like, that. I, I'll still, ne- I mean, I'll I'll never get this out of my head because I was um, there for that live, but that first summer league game against Atlanta. 
Like, I mean, that Kevin Knox is like yeah. I, that game in my head. I remember for like months, I was like, Kevin Knox is going to be like a rookie of the year. Like, gosh. same. I was like, I was like, we finally, we finally got our guy. It's nice to know we finally have a guy. But like, <laughs> let me, but at the same time, like, let me just say, well, I was going to say is, uh, despite that, despite the flashes, like, we have to remember that even Summer League Knox shot like 36% from the field. I know. Even, I know. It just even, looks good because he's I know, like, I know. Because he's literally just like a gazelle, like and like when he yeah. when he dunks, it look, looks like his whole body like hits the hits the court. It's wild. Yeah, I mean they're and they're you know they're just like they're athletic specimens. They they seem like good, like athlete, and <laughs> they seem like good athletes. Um, and, but like, and he and I mean I think I forget. I think it was a comment on Twitter, but it was something where there was the video of his shot. And one thing that's so pretty about Knox's shot is like it's such a high release. And it's also such a high shot yeah. where it's like if it goes in, it's like a perfect swish. But they were saying that his release looks a little lower. And I don't know. It's true. I don't know, but that, like, but again, like all that, and he's like that's his best trade. And he shoots like thirty four percent on threes. Like, um, we, like I like I just move past Kevin. I'm trying to. Think. I know, I know. I, I just want to finish this one one thought. Is just that like we have to remember that even as we get high for Dennis Smith and Kevin Knox, and like I'm, I definitely wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't advocate to move on from them. And I think they may take steps forward this year, but it's important to remember that good Dennis Smith, like on the Mavericks, he averaged like 15 points on like 15 shots, and like the the like he was the tank commander to get Luca, and like Kevin Knox, rookie of the month, Kevin Knox, he averaged like 17 points on like 15 shots, and I think the Knicks like went two in ten that month. Like it's important to realize like the good baseline like still needed to be improved upon. But that, that's how, that's all I'm saying. This how, is a temper. What's our weekend gonna be like if like a Knicks Pistons OB goes off for like twenty two and eight and like it's like on Friday night? I don't know, but like, I mean things could get high. Things like I, I'm. I mean it's been so long without basketball. Like whatever happened on the first night of the season, pre, first preseason of the season, like that's that's the season. Like that's that, just whatever what happens, that's whatever the happens tonight is the truth. Like if if Randall and Payton are starting that night. Like I'm done with the next forever. But if if Randall makes three threes at night, it's like, oh wow. Like this guy could be what, what this if good guy could does, be something. What if Randall plays, starts, but does zero spin moves? Yeah, like so I'm saying like Randall, like say Randall drops like an inefficient twenty-eight. Like we're we the all-star movement is back on. And like the Knicks I, could like compete for nine seed easily. Against but true. I don't know. Though, though, at the same time, taking taking the setback before, like thinking we could win every game, I do, I do kind of like feel like, even within the low expectations that like they may even be lower than we think. Like after watching some of these Killian, these Killian, like everyone kind of thinks it's like maybe Pistons fifteenth, Knicks fourteenth, and this is a very stupid distinct, distinction. But like the, the even the Pistons, I think maybe like significantly talent wise is better just from like Blake oh, Griffin and like Dion Wright and Jeremy Grant alone. Like, um, which kind of brings up like the goals of the season for a stinky Knicks team, which I've kind of talked about. And I mean, really, all we want, boot. I mean, we've made it very clear. Like, we're 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 way past the point where we're looking for the Kyle O'Quinn victories in terms of the the Bobby Portis revenge games. We would way rather win nine games and just like have like the RJ Emanuel. Mitchell, but I honestly don't think. I mean, I think it's gonna. I think our expectations are so low that, like, I think it's gonna be a little better than we're preparing for. 
I don't know. I think I think it might be a mix. Like I, I think to an extent they're gonna force their guy. Like young guys are gonna play, but probably not the ones you're like afraid aren't. Like I think like you'll probably like Mitch is gonna play, but it may be like Bench for Nerlens as we fear. Frank may play the like spot minutes at like shooting guard. Um, but like I think Dennis, they're definitely gonna let him. At least they're gonna attempt to play him. Yo, like Obi's obviously gonna play. Wait. I think I mean I would way rather And they're them, pushing the Knox agenda, so he's gonna play. No, I would way rather them start Dennis over Alfred. If they're gonna go like you know what I mean? If it's not Frank, well, yeah. if, they're not, if they're not starting Frank, just let Dennis like go wild with it. Yeah, except it's probably gonna be like a very stinky Alfred Frank backcourt off the bench, which is like just like just objectively from basketball. I think they like were bad together last year. Which makes sense because because like, their the games same, do not complement like, each other. Yeah, they're like the same bad versions of each other. Um, what are, what are your thoughts on Frank? Like, like going like we love Frank, and like I'm all ready to like get mad he doesn't play, but like, like I don't know. At the same time, he has like an eight million qualifying offer this summer, which he's obviously like not worth. Well, like Chris Dunn is like the good version of Frank. Just well, got paid like ten I, million I over two years. Say, you know? I was just about to say. The fact that Monte Morris is only getting three years, twenty-seven million, yeah. makes me think that Frank is getting a number way way. Like I think the I think Frank is like a two-year, ten million guy right now. Yeah, no, I mean that, that's what Chris, that's what Chris Dunn got, and I don't think there's a a planet where Frank is as impactful as Chris Dunn was last year. So for sure, I mean I'm just looking for that that Frank jump, which. Like, I don't know if I'm crazy. I mean, we just have to see it. Like, I hope they just let a brother play. And I think we'll see it because we're I, overthinking. We're, 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 I mean, obviously, it's our, in our nature to completely overthink. Yeah, we'd be overthinking. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, like, if, if Tibbs is who we think he is and who I think he is, um, t- t- no matter what happens at the start of the season – as as the season goes on, and as what we know to happen happens with the, the Alfred Alfred Payton, Alfred Payton highs and lows, and the DSJ highs and lows, I I think that Tibbs is gonna, at the very least, very much value what Frank brings, which is um, just his defense at the very least. You know what I mean? Like you have to expect, like even if he's not starting, I don't think there's a there's a way in which. Frank's just out of the rotation like he was last year at certain points. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But at the same time, like, some of the quotes are, like, a little scary. The fact that, like, they have to drag the Frank out of him. And even the positive things, like, Frank does some things pretty well. Like, I don't know. I mean, we really we really just have to see. But, like, I, I'm – I don't know. I feel like Frank has to steal some minutes to an extent. Like, I don't know. I guess I have to see. Like, I don't want to speculate too much. But maybe, maybe let's speculate a little more. Go through a like a, a, a two man unit. Like I think it'll probably be. What do you think, Payton? I mean, it could be Dennis Smith starting. So it'd be like Dennis. Ugh. Wait, I can't hear you. Also, you're you're on mute on locker room. Oh, I am on mute. Locker room. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Uh, I guess. Are we? Are we? Are we thinking it's maybe a little Dennis action? I think. Dennis, by... I think Dennis. I think the way they've been talking about Dennis, he's starting. Um, I also think that. I don't know. My, it's so weird for me to think of Emmanuel because I like I obviously whatever I talk myself into Alfred being the fine vet point guard. But like if Alfred's taking like 
the only like viable minutes for Emmanuel. Like I, all I want to see is a Frank. Um, I I want to see them go. I mean, there's so many different like weird lineups I want to see. Yeah, I don't want. I don't know. I I will be ups. I I mean, dude. I Wait, think it so really can s- we? Now, it's that time of year. Like we had the full arc with RJ last year, where we uh-huh. started out the season being like, "Yo, RJ is going to be in the Hall of Fame." Whatever. At the end, at the end of the season, I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on this, but I called him uh, uh, strong Kent Bazemore. I don't know if you said this on this. I don't know if you said that on this podcast. So now, like, you're unleashing like a world of hate on yourself. No, but no, no, no. no I would never. I would never say anything hurtful about RJ like that. I would never. I never said anything about RJ during Tyler Hero playoff game. Right so I'm saying this. Yeah, shut up, RJ. I mean, I, I, I'm going to drink the Kool Aid right now. I, I think RJ could sneaky be like so much better than we think he he could be just this year. Like oh, RJ yeah. could easily. RJ could easily average like. Nineteen seven and five, like four or five. I guess. I mean, it depends. I think. I think in playing at small if he, forward, if he just shoots, huge. if he just shoots seventy percent from the free throw line, like he's a completely different yeah. But that, that's that's like well, obviously, but like again, that, that's like a big yes. Yes, to do it. I mean, he didn't he didn't shoot seventy percent from the free throw line like that. That'd be big. I mean, honestly, the the path for him being good is is pretty like easy. I mean, not to just completely go with that. Wait, I don't know, dude. I'm just excited to watch basketball as long as it's not like the Julius, Alfred, Nerlens Noel, Alec Brooks show. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's, that's what it comes down to. Like, like again, that, that's kind of the stick with the offseason. Like, again, it's like no high-risk moves. But, like, they got like six vets. So if it's like they're actually going to do like the Tibbs vet show, that's so bad, man. Like, I can't, I can't take that. I, I think by default we won't get that. I think we'll at minimum have some young guys. But like, this is a principle of Randall and Payton playing together would stink. And like Frank being benched and like Iggy not getting a shot still, if, especially if Knox, like as they force the Knox agenda down our throats and he's still like not good. Like, I don't know. Well, Iggy could still get cut, but I actually kind of, I'm kind of feel like he's not, it's kind of seems like they're just pulling like G league shenanigans. Like I, I'm kind of not fearful of that. Um, yeah. I mean, you have to remember, I guess the only thing with that is, there is like a little bit of investment there with because Scott Perry didn't they they bought that pick or they traded up like they wanted Iggy and Scott Perry's still there like it's not Scott like- Perry's still there they're posting the Iggy agenda on Twitter so much there's not like a real reason to get rid of him even if you want oh god we, like if MKG's on the roster like that's bad too like if like we get an MKG rant all right like nah, no Noel. He's just there. I, I honestly understand MKG. Like, I was a little harsh on the pod today because Ian kind of corrected me, and I, I kind of thought about it after. He's kind of right. Like, just I understand the thought process in terms of, like, with Tibbs wanting to, like, model a certain defensive identity and culture, like, they need, like, a like, especially with, like, the we our weakest position is wings. Like, Kevin Knox cannot, like, defense. Like, Obi, yeah. Obi, Obi cannot play defense. RJ, like, is, like, whatever. Like, I, I think that there is some like credence to having MKG as like the defensive vet who's like not that old and still relatable. And also William Wesley's ne- like next. Well, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. Well, it's, it's the most shameless one by far. Cause you got the UK CAA and the William Wesley. It's a trifecta, but again, like I think MKG is a good player. It's just that like, look, this is a team where it's, it's, it's stacked to the brink with big men. And, like, we just want to see the young guys play. I want to see Knox and Iggy get reps at, like, small forward and power forward. Like, we're talking about, like, whether Obi can play. Like, here's kind of the problem. It's, like, like how this season goes is, like, how we utilize these guys. Because, like, right now we're scared it's going to be, like, Obi, Randall, 
Mitch or Obi Randall Noel, but like, like just Obi and Mitch could be bad. Like, like that. Like I don't know if anyone's heard the NBA is going small. So like, if you're playing like MKG at like small forward and he can't shoot, and then like the point guard is like Frank, like is it because it just gets so ugly and it's just like not really doing anything. So MKG, he's good. Like I think he's good. I just like I don't know if he's doing anything for this team besides like a that presence. Like I, I would love MKG in the team. I just like don't really want him like playing unless Randall's gone. Like if MKG is the new Randall and he's just like filling in that, like that power forward move role, like I'm vibing, but I don't know. I mean, I think, I think this season just comes down to like the vet, the vet scaries. Like I want to see the young guys play and I don't want the big, the big boy lineups. I don't want, I don't want the, I don't want a repeat of Tibbs's Taj Gibson uh, cat lineups, you know, like, which we'll probably get to an extent. All right. I mean, I think I agree. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I just can't even wrap my head there. That'd be too depressing to even go there right now. Uh, so let's let's just wrap it up there. Yeah, thirty minutes. Thirty minutes, solid. Um, I guess the moral story is just like, just play the young guys, and hopefully, like, you know, like, I, like I was just thinking about beyond player development. Like, dude, the Tibbs. Like, I know I, I'd be hating my boy Tibbs, but like the Tibbs Bulls were so they had that that defensive identity where it's like for like five straight years, it was like, you know, like you couldn't buy a, you couldn't buy a bucket against the bulls. Like they were the bulls, even if like Derrick Rose was hurt, you know, like, like let's, I would love to see a little, like a little, like if they could do that, like even, that's pretty crisp. That's that's the thing. And like, there's the potential, like the Knicks, like honestly have a good basis of young players to like, like just to like fill in those bulls prototypes, just defensively, just defensively. I guess. I mean, you got you got Mitch, you got Frank. RJ's not horrible, especially if that small forward. I don't know. It's still a lot to be seen. Like the other, like the other thing is like again, this is the by far the least talent, at least as we know of, that Tibbs has had. And like it's right now, like probably the most unproven core in the NBA. It could be good. You could also have like RJ, Mitch, and Obi in the All Star game in three years, but they could also all be like like right now we don't have a proven like proven we don't have a proven like young NBA starting the team. Like Obi is probably like. The one guy, like Obi's, like the most proven NBA prospect we have right now. He has yes, a yes, game, yes. and like he's like I genuinely think that. And I'm not, you know, obviously I'm obviously not an Obi guy. So like, I don't know. There's work to be done. I hope it's done. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see Friday.